welcome to UX Banter Season 3, where I, Dushyant Kanungo, talk to the leaders in the design field about their journey and what inspires them to be the best. I also touch upon the aspects of the industry such as jobs, trends and challenges to name a few. This podcast is presented by Galaxy UX Studio and powered by Galaxy Weblinks and Inc 5000 company. Hi everyone. This is Dushyant. With 17 years of experience, she is a true powerhouse in the field of design and product management. She believes in embracing fundamentals and exploring new ideas. all while keeping the user at the heart of product design process her expertise lies in storytelling product strategy and growth by combining her creative freedom with a strong background in product management she crafts experiences that evoke emotions and leave lasting impact on users please welcome our guest annabel campos the director of user experience design at exigy hello everyone good to be here so it was a pleasure to have you here i mean last time when we started the conversation i believe it was a live wire i think the energy was you know off the chart so i believe that we are going to continue with that energy in this recording session as well <laughs> i hope so i hope so thank you so much for inviting me it's really cool to be here yeah so anabel when we were talking about your journey and how you mentioned that you come from outside of the us and then now you are living in colorado so how the journey has been what are the things that you uh, have experienced and uh, how the path uh, has been so far oh my god rough <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean i was you know a little bit of my background um i was a product manager back in brazil i had worked like in some like really big media companies uh, like e-commerce startups all sorts of things and and at some point I was like at, I was at this point in my career where I was like I need to be in the US or I need to be somewhere else like that's the next step for me and uh, you know being San Francisco like obviously like was kind of the goal working with technology and all and uh, and I also like really wanted to do a little bit more like social impact focused work So I found Exigy. I had a friend that was actually working there, living in San Francisco, and I applied as a product manager. And after a lot of like Skype interviews at that time, I, you know, got, you know, got in, got hired, and left Brazil uh, to come work at Exigy. And I think I was a little lucky that they didn't quite know how to like the how rough the process would be. to actually yeah. bring someone with like H1B. So, I went through all the like getting like a J1, which is a trainee visa, and then getting H1B, which was really lucky to get, and the green card. So, oof, it's a journey. It's <laughs> definitely rough. So, if you're taking that journey, be prepared. <laughs> so, how come from San Francisco to Colorado? Yeah, um I mean the company was in San Francisco up to 2020 and like many others when you know the pandemic hit uh we were like you know let's just go remote let's just do this uh we were already kind of hybrid a little bit so we're like oh it's kind of like opens up to hire people from other places in the US people then also like free to move out and uh you know the bear is so expensive and unaffordable right now so 
I was like, I kind of want to try something different. And uh, Colorado kind of the mountains just called me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But what happened with your early career? I mean, you were a designer already in Brazil. So how did you got into this field? Yeah, I was actually, so yeah, I was a product manager, but I always like to say that even as a product manager, I was actually a UX designer because even as a product manager, my kind of my main focus was really always kind of making sure that we're crafting experiences that are, you know, intuitive, simple, accessible, delightful. And I would kind of put you know, product visions together and kind of have a little bit of like wireframes on it, like, uh, like using like Keynote and things like that. And I, <laughs> so I, I always kind of had that passion of like making sure that we're creating something that really is focused on user needs and goals, motivations and all of that. So I think I was a good product manager. In that sense, but definitely like the project management and all the, those pieces, I was like, not my strongest suit. So at some point, I was like, I think, you know, I just kind of need to make the switch to UX fully because like that's what I, I really love is like really deeply understand people and connecting kind of their needs back to like solutions, right? Nice one. So what about the, your interest in the human behavior economy and human behavior psychology? So what is the difference? I mean, when you say human behavior psychology is something that people understand, but when it comes to human behavior economy is, you know, a, a word that I wanted to uh, talk more about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think I was talking about like behavior economics. And basically what behavior economics is, it's kind of like a little bit of like a baby between economics and psychology. So when the economists like started thinking about economics, they thought about humans as like really rational beings. And like they thought that humans made decisions in ways that like always like pondering the, the pros and cons, the risks and the you know, the, the costs and benefits and psychologists started looking at that and they were like, actually, that's not how humans think at all. Humans are full of like errors and biases. They are not like this, um, like super rational creatures. Like we have all this um, shortcuts that we, that our minds like take, right? to make sense of the world. So they're like, no, that's not how like economists, I'm sorry, but you need psychologists. And that's like, you're kind of wrong. Humans are biased. They have all these biases that they use to make sense of yeah. the world. And, and so behavior economics kind of like came about as this kind of view that kind of merges a little bit of, of both and like really studies, right? Like what are the, yeah, what are those like shortcuts that we do? Like, that our brains are kind of wired to do and we don't even think about, but like that make us kind of have like irrational decisions sometimes. So yeah, I kind of found behavior economics like and really honestly, like I was like really always passionate about understanding humans and how they think and why do they make the decisions that they do. Because I think like when you're designing for people, you need to understand that, right? Like you need to understand Absolutely. how do they how do they think? How do they make decisions? Um, and I started kind of going to like, yeah, behavioral sciences. I 
I started, yeah, studying behavior economics, found this like really amazing book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, which is kind of almost like the Bible of like behavior economics. It's, it's amazing. I'm making my design team read now <laughs> that book. We're kind of doing like a book, book club. And I was like super passionate, got super passionate and excited about all of this. All the way to the, at some point, I was like, I need to just like study psychology more. And, and now I'm like doing my master's in psychology as well. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. This is, uh, you know, something that we always talk about that how psychology, a branch which is not as explored in terms of academia other than the U.S., it's mostly from India, where my studio is based at. We all talk about how engineers are building the world and how many engineers India produces. But then psychology is making a big mark here at our end as well. But then when it comes to design, whenever we are talking about user experience, I think psychology or knowledge of psychology is something that everybody uh, should learn something about. If they haven't studied them at any school or university levels, I think uh, there is no time like right now to actually study at least some part of psychology to get a better understanding of any product or service they are developing. Yep. With that, I think one, one of the most important things that you just mentioned is about the, the, the biases. And also the second thing that we can uh, just point out here is whenever anybody who is you know, just, just starting off and then the empathy is not there, you cannot understand what the user thinks, what they do. The empathy word itself is so powerful is that every single time that we, I'm, I'm recording these episodes, every single time this word has to appear in the communication with anybody who is doing UX, that empathy becomes the cornerstone of any discussion that if you're walking into a room with a full of UX people. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. I think empathy is like a really big thing in UX and human-centered design. And I think it's like one of like our, you know, values so like at Exigy and our team as like design team is like, we need to approach situations uh, with a sense of like humbleness of like, I don't know what you're going through, through or like users are going through, right? Like, and and this ability to like really like deeply listen and and you know empathize and understand like their needs so that like we can like remove ourselves from from the picture a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think the designer needs to have this ability of like sometimes forget like about themselves and what you know what the solution is and like really just like listen to the user needs and like let kind of the solution kind of come naturally. So I do think, yeah, that ability is definitely like a crucial one for UX designers. On the same point, I mean, you mentioned the book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. I think it's one of the fabulous books out there. And it's not just for the UX decision making. I believe that it actually helps you and enables you. It's a tool to help your, how you structure your mind and uh, it doesn't matter that if you're doing UX design or just a student, I think uh, if you're even studying, say, mathematics, it helps you rationalize oh. everything that you are actually talking about. And I 100% agree that this is one of the books which is going to go on the reading list. So you know what is happening. We, uh, in the previous episodes, whenever there is a book's name comes up, we make a separate note of it. 
And what we are going to do is that after the season ends or even before that, we are going to publish one big blog post about recommendations from individual guests. And then uh, let's see that how the notes are compared. And uh, that is going to be the must read from the best designers in the world. Nice. Awesome. I think that's a great initiative. <laughs> All right. On that note, I'm going to take you on our UX banter <sighs> rapid fire round. Okay. I'm a little scared, but we'll see. Oh, don't be. Don't be. <laughs> <You'll> be <funny. laughs> All right. So what kind of person are you? Are you go out person or stay in person? Go out. I'm Brazilian. I'm social. I like being with friends and having fun. Yep. Definitely go out. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, sunrise or sunset? Sunset, sunset. Yeah, I think um, we have, I'm from Rio, Rio de Janeiro, and mm. we have one of the most beautiful sunsets in the world. And we go, to, everyone goes to the stone uh, <laughs> and the beach and like people actually applaud the sunset over there. <laughs> it's, it's an experience. You have to do it, people. Go to Rio. Brazil is in my... Uh international travel bucket list that I definitely want to go there someday, uh, hopefully uh, soon. <laughs> but Highly recommend. The beaches there are amazing. The wild, uh, the forest and everything looks really, really wonderful. But yeah, let's see that I get the opportunity <laughs> soon enough. All right. Next question. One day in your life you would like to relive? Woo! Um, I think the day that I actually found out that I was hired by Actigy, because that was kind of a dream. I wanted to live abroad since I was like, I don't know, a teenager and uh -huh. wanted to like experience working abroad and have a career abroad. And that was kind of like a dream come true at that time. And I was so happy. All right. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask this question. <laughs> Books or movies? Movies, I think. <laughs> okay, which is your favorite movie then? There's this movie. It's an Argentinian movie. I think that I think there's an U.S. version too. It's uh, El Secreto de sus Ojos. Mm, sorry, speaking Spanish on this. Um, but it's it's a movie. It's a secret of your eyes, I guess. In your eyes, of your eyes, something like that. You are I like to uh, read subtitles. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, like a crime detective but also like love story and i think it combines all of that and it's an amazing movie i think i have seen a couple of brazilian films including the city of god mm -hmm, so good such a good one yeah i think that one i saw when i was just exploring everything which is out there in, in terms of good cinema and i i found that film but then uh, there are a few bollywood films are also shot there uh, with the beaches and the bikes and everything. So yeah, it's, it, it looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your favorite mobile phone app? My favorite, the one that I use the most. <laughs> um, I think they are one and the same. <laughs> okay, I guess I would say, oh man, Google Maps. Um, it's sad, but it, it I, I mean, it just does the job, right? Like, it's just yeah. like... It, it, I can't go anywhere without it, honestly. Like, so it's the one that I, I use every day because it just solves a problem for me. And I think that that's what great UX is about. It's about solving a problem, right? So yeah, that would be the one. Okay, so previous answers have been TikTok, 
Instagram, Google search. And yes, I think map is right there as well. So yeah, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, least favorite job till date. Least favorite job that I have done in my life. Okay. I was actually, my first job was actually as a copywriter. So uh -huh. I, my actual, so my background is in advertising and marketing. And mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to write and I wanted to be a copywriter. And I got that job as a copywriter. I was like, great, dream come true. And then I kind of realized that I, I actually don't want to write for clients. Like I wanted to write <laughs> for myself. <laughs> Writing for clients was a whole other thing. And I was like, no, I, no, yeah, that's not for me at all. So. This is where people get confused, right? I mean, uh, there is a clear distinction between art and uh, design. And uh, art is always about expressing what you have in your heart. The artist's mm -hmm. expression goes in the art side of things. But when you're designing, you're there to solve a problem. And I think that is where the creative jobs uh, have this confusion that exactly what we are supposed to do, are we designing for ourselves or for the user or for the manager who has yeah. asked to do this? And even though creative writing, people do not give it enough credit, but I can, you know, I, I agree with you that it, it's a, you know, the level of creative job where even you have to have that empathy built in that what the person is actually, who is the target audience, what you are writing about. And if it, it gets you kind of in a random pressure situation, because there is not much help or support system or tools available online, even who can help you resolving uh, the conflict that you might have while you're producing the content. That's so, question. Yeah. window or aisle seat? Window, window, always. I And I, I hate heights. I'm afraid of heights, but I always choose the window. I, I don't know what it is. I feel <laughs> like I, maybe I like to suffer or something, but window. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, this round concludes. And now we know that you watch Brazilian films. You read <laughs> a lot. You are excited about flying on the window seat <laughs> and, and you suffer from heights. And yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much to know about you. I think it's a great conversation starter. I mean, anytime, if, if you go on a date and you can say, you know, here are the 20 question sheet that you can actually borrow from me if you want to. Yeah, that's, okay. sorry. <laughs> Not weird at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we, we, we coming back to the design side of things that we were talking, you were talking, uh, you just mentioned a word about the designing for social impact. That is quite interesting because a lot of the people uh, in today's day and age, they want to create, make a change to the world. They want to design something that solves a large scale humanitarian problem, which is uh, right now out there in the world. I mean, from, from Asia's population busts till uh to the natural disaster as they are coming with now al nino coming this year and other than that there are refugees problems there there is a war going on and then the the poverty line and poor people the kids who are living under poverty line and that is horrible and whenever people talk about it they say yeah we should do something but then practically they have no idea how to go about it yeah so I think with I, I believe XCG is is the, the the company who is certified 
benefit corporation and that is the b on the screen that you guys are seeing right now if you're not then i can tell you that exigy <laughs> is certified benefit or for good corporation so this is where the question comes to mind that what is the difference i mean between while you are designing for social impact versus when you are designing for profit yeah oh i love that question oh my god do we have like two hours for me to talk about this <laughs> um yes I think that there's a really big difference. So I think when you are, you know, at Meta or you're working at Microsoft or you're working at Salesforce, I don't know what it is, a big tech company, your users are very similar to you, right? Like you're, you're, you're also a user, you're a designer, but you're also a user. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about designing for social impact, and at Exige, for example, we design, we, one of our big projects is like an affordable housing portal. So it's an affordable housing portal that we created for the city and county of San Francisco, of San Mateo, Alameda, other counties and cities. And we are not the user. We, we, the designer is not going to go to an affordable housing portal and go through the process of like applying to affordable housing. Another project that we have is like a government benefit for, portal. So a portal where you can go and like apply to government, government benefits. We are also not that user. We are not going to do that. So when you're, when you're designing for social impact, you're, the designer is far removed from the lived experience of the user, right? And I think that there's a big two things there. One is the impact that you that you have on your on the way you design something right like so for example if you work for meta if you design something that is not super intuitive maybe someone won't know how to click a like button or someone won't know how to upload a picture but on affordable housing someone might not get housing someone might not get benefits it's a real big it's a big responsibility designing for social impact, right? So we need to really understand that like, there is a disconnect between who I am as a designer and who my users are, and we need to bridge that gap. So we talked a little bit about empathy, right? And I think empathy is great and we should have empathy, but when you're designing for social impact, it's just, is empathy enough? I think that, I don't think so. I think we need to, when you're designing for social impact, you need to go above and beyond. You need to actually close that gap between the designer and, and the user, which means really bringing the, the user to the design process, which means like having more like participatory design, having the user really like co-design solutions with us. And, you know, making sure that we are including users and in, with a lot of like a diverse like background right like we don't want to leave anyone outside of that process so for example if we're talking about an affordable housing i want to make sure that we are researching but also including users and the participatory design that have like different immigration statuses that speak different languages, that have English as a second language, that have different abilities, 
that maybe have different ethnicities. So I think that that idea of like inclusivity and equity is way more important when you're talking about designing for social impact, right? I generally don't go speechless, uh, I'll be honest, but this definition has made me realize that when we, whenever designing for social impact comes, it is actually not just impacting on the society, but individuals. I mean, as, as a large frame of things, it could mean that a child can go to a college, somebody will have, uh, you know, father gets to feed their family. Some girl might, you know, get home safely that evening. And yeah. this is life changing solutions and equations that we are putting out there. And uh, they have to be as easy to execute as, as much as possible. And people should be able to get these services without the red tape of like this and allow this and allow that. It should function the way it is supposed to. On, on the same note, I think there, was, there were two terms that we also talked about. One was equity-centered design and community-centered design. Yeah, I think those are like design processes that come a lot from the like social impact world. Like that are not necessarily like, as connected to the digital product, you know, uh, universe. And equity-centered design is this idea really like focusing on the people that are most at the margins, uh, right? Like who are the ones that are suffering the most oppression from the systems that have been designed at some point and that we keep like kind of perpetuating those systems. So who is like the suffering the most oppression? Let's focus on that group. And let's solve the problem for them because then we can solve the problem for everyone. So that's kind of like a little bit of like the idea of equity-centered design. And then community-centered design is this idea of like the community holds that knowledge and the community can solve the problem for themselves, right? So designers don't need to go to the communities and tell them how to solve problems. Designers can, designers should be facilitators supporting like the community solve their own problems so those are kind of two kind of concepts and and processes that we mm -hmm. see a lot in the social impact world but when you're talking about digital products there's not much of that right like there's not much of like that thinking so i see a little bit of like a a, a disconnect between the tech world and the social impact world and I think what we're trying to do at Exeg is kind of bridging those two worlds and bridging that gap and thinking about when we are designing digital products for social impact, how do we use kind of the digital design process that we know, like human-centered design, design thinking, but borrow elements of these other processes that are community-centered, that are equity-centered, to be part of that process as well, right? Like, so for example, we are being, think we, we at Exigy have been like toying around with this idea of like a proprietary kind of design process called thoughtful design, where we kind of use, you know, human-centered design as a foundation. So we use this process of, discovery, ideation, design, testing, but then we borrow elements from equity-centered design. So we actually bring users to co-design with us. 
we conduct this like workshops where we bring like end users and we're like let's all design this this together let's let's ideate let's brainstorm how would you go about solving this problem and the user is part of that solution as well so it's not just the designer who is normally like an able body male white you know of a certain uh social economic class and uh, a certain educate you know education level uh that is not what the user is just thinking about a solution themselves like they're actually like bringing the users who have the lived experience to kind of create solutions with us so yeah that's kind of what we have been like playing around like how can we do more of that it's 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 very interesting and then that's when i would ask that at xcg why what kind of projects uh, do you guys generally do and what is the you know the clientele and what you know generally the size of those clients that you uh, handle yeah it's a great question it varies a lot <laughs> the size the sizes are all over the place it's from like really big you know civic entities and government to like small nonprofits the types of clients that we have so we work with mostly in like a couple of different sectors um the civic sector health sector um philanthropy some education and uh, most of our clients they are like either like government so we do like work a lot with a lot of like government entities government agencies mm -hmm. um or like foundations uh, nonprofits or like, you know, startups, they're also like focused on social impact. Okay. So yeah. anybody who is, who is willing to create a product, which is in the lines of social responsibility or anything, which is about social impact that can come to you and you, you can actually help them guide them with whichever way it actually is happening. So to all the listeners, uh, this is XG. So you can visit their website, which is exygy.com xg.com so that is the website where uh, you guys can connect with xg's team and uh, see that what they have been doing and i think this is this is where the point comes that every single uh, designer we all are, go out there to change the world but then the money comes in and everybody says yeah what the hell i'll design what they ask me to do and then that would be it but the the way that you have explained the responsibility of user experience designer in changing the world, it comes from the fact that the moment you're designing for social impact, it comes with an added responsibility of making sure that there is a you know roof on the head of a single mother or uh, somebody who wants to go to college or a school or get a good education, get meal uh, on their plates on, at, at the end of the day. So what would be your advice to the young professionals who are starting out their careers in design, they want to make uh, change to the world. And uh, I think early in the career, before they go and settle down with big paying positions, and when while they have the energy and ideas to change the world, what should they do and how they can actually get into this phase where they can be, where they can develop super empathy towards the users and the, inter the bigger part of uh, working with organizations, which a design for social impact as a whole? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I see a lot of like, every time we're like hiring for designers, we see, we get all these like applications and all these portfolios that have the right like buzzwords, that have the right like process, like it's kind of a cookie cutter process of like, 
you know, discover, then we go into ideation, then we prototype, then we test, then we, and we design system. And, and it's like all kind of cookie cutter a little bit. And I think what doesn't come across most of the time as like the critical thinking behind it, like the rationale of like, how do you actually came up with this solution? Why, what, tie it up to, you know, make it really simple for me to see what was the user need, how that informed a design principle, and how did that inform a UX solution? I think that like that, that piece is lacking a little bit from like what I've seen in like when people story tell about the, the work. So that would be one thing. And then the second thing is just like really honing in on that idea of like, you know, empathy and, and going, going above and beyond empathy, but like really focusing on the user and really focus on understanding people and understanding how they think and why they think in certain ways, <laughs> why they make those decisions. Um, and we agree with you because the number of times, you know, every single time when we have to interview and the portfolios look the same. And uh, I just had this epidemic, I think a couple of years ago, when every single application that I was looking at, it was about a food delivery app. And I'm like, what's yeah. going on here? And everybody wants yeah. to create a food delivery app. And then you ask questions that, where is the back end? What is the driver looking at? What is the kitchen staff looking at? And they have no questions. They have just one app, which is visible for you. As, yeah. as you said, they are not just the users. They are like four different users who are going to come in. That what sort of order the kitchen staff is looking at? Who created this menu? Who entered the pictures of the dishes? And you yeah. don't have it. So where is the web interface of it? And what's the accounting is going to look at? And they look me at, look at me dumbfounded. It's like, <laughs> what are you saying? It's like, there is human <laughs> at the other end what of a B2B yeah. application or B2C application. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, nowadays, I feel like a lot of times, like, I honestly, like, look more on the, like, research piece almost. And like, the, the insights that I had about users and, then like the actual like product themselves, like the, the you know, the, what they have designed. Because I think even especially now with AI and mm. AI tools, I have like been amazed by like, there's all these like new tools that like AI will just like create an interface from scratch for you. You do a prompt and they like, we'll create that. So obviously it's not quite there yet. It's not yeah. great. Yeah, but it will get there. It will get there and we'll get there fast. So I think I think AI can probably will be able to probably do a lot of that, you know, kind of design production work of like putting together an interface and Figma will be like super smart, I think, and will like just kind of create it itself. But I don't think that AI will be able to understand humans mm -hmm. in a way that we understand humans. Right. So I think if I could, yeah, give people advice, focus on the human aspect of user experience, because I don't think AI is going to, maybe someday you will, but it will take a little, <laughs> like, a little longer to get there. This is an absolutely wonderful uh, piece of advice, actually, because uh, 
the AI will not replace you. People who know how to use AI well, exactly. finding the right information, learning the UX basics, making sure that the instructions are very clear to the system is the only way that you can get the best of the end product. But this is this is the awareness. This is the sort of build up that people are actually looking for. So anybody who is coming into design from this point onwards, your Figma skills are good. A UI is required, but maybe just maybe that there is some bit of empathy and understanding how humans work and behave and that book of psychology that we just mentioned at the earlier um, in this episode thinking fast and slow is something that you might like to read that and also i think it's not a promotion this is not a paid promotion so this is the book that i'm reading right now which is called essentialism and i'm liking it pretty oh, much because the best part is that it tells me that do not do 20 things, just do one thing and be best at it. And I'm not following it uh, so far yet. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> but it is, it is some great learnings that I'm definitely going to add some in my practice. But yeah, so books do help and uh, that is where we uh, learn more. But with that, I will say thank you so much Annabelle, uh, for joining us today. I mean, it has been a discussion that I never had with somebody before when it comes to talking about the uh, the social economics of it or the, the behavioral economics of uh, social impact designs. We all talk about it, big game, but when it comes to actually showing up, as most of the people just look for that the easiest way out and not fighting for the for the cause and even if somebody something is designed actually running it making sure it goes to the market making sure it gets adopted and accepted that is the part which is generally missing so i i think it was a really privilege to uh, be in your company uh, today and i hope that everybody who was listening will get uh, you know plenty of takeaways uh, from this conversation yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure just being here and yeah, being able to rumble about things that I love. So I really, really appreciate. Thank you once again. And thank you everybody who is listening in to this episode for this week. Uh, we'll be back with another episode pretty soon on the UX Panther podcast. So thank you very much and keep following. Have a wonderful day ahead. Bye.